welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Ellen. And my name is Anna. And in today's episode, we're discussing Book 6, Chapter 9, The Grey Havens, Exploring Peace in Community. Uh, my question is really more of a, a pondering, and it's mm. this. How could it possibly be that we are at the last chapter of the last book? I don't know. I'm 100% shocked. Mm-hmm. I am not quite sure how we've arrived here, to be to be honest. But my goodness, we have. We have. It feels that this last book really moved along at quite a clip. It did. Well, a lot happened. A lot of the spicy stuff happened in the first half of the book in our Mm -hmm. season five. Mm -hmm. And then season six has been like 20% spicy. And then the rest Mm. has been like a nice, smooth frosting of just nice things after nice things. Mm -hmm. Building up to this delicious treat we're enjoying right now. I'm hungry. (laughs) Yeah, I um I can tell. But you're right. We have been in a little bit of like a palate cleanser as we move towards the sweeter part of our of our meal. Mm-hmm. And I cannot wait to talk a bit more about all of the pleasantries that we experience in today's chapter. But before we do that, we do have to discuss your story. Um, about peace. Mm-hmm. So, uh, are you are you ready to share with us this little like amuse bouche before we get into the main course here? I am. I can't wait to talk about what a what a peaceful chapter we've just enjoyed. But first, we must talk about camp. <laughs> we m- we must we must. And I know I've talked a lot about camp on this podcast, but there is truly no other place I have experienced where the politics of community play out at such intensity and high volume. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this particular story was told to me secondhand uh, the day after it happened, but I thought it it was too relevant to not include in today's episode. When I was a camp counselor... One of my friends and fellow counselors was in the boys' side bunk, and he had a group, I think it was like the youngish teens around the 13 to 14 age, and they were having issues with drama and disagreements in the bunk. There were two pretty distinct groups of boys that were not getting along with each other, and it was causing a lot of issues and a lot of discontent in the camp. I think you could imagine like a Lindsay Lohan v. Lindsay Lohan in The Parent Trap, and that would give you an idea of, you know, the the extent of the drama that we're working with here. Okay, was honey used in any (laughs) part of these disagreements? (laughs) Were beds put on the roof? No, not quite there, but like they were towing the line. It was Mm -hmm. was not going well. Mm -hmm. So to remedy the, the growing discontent, the head counselor for boys side and this is this is an adult position this is like someone who nor- normally the head counselor is someone who's like a teacher and then in their off summer they come be the head head counselor and they are in charge of all the, all the other counselors so this is an adult making this decision he devised a prank which had apparently been used before to much success to bring together discontented bunkmates 
So one night after curfew, but before the kids had gone to bed, the boy's side counselor, the head counselor, went into their cabin and laid out a plan to break into the camp kitchen and raid the fridge, pantry, etc. The kids were obviously way into the idea, so they dressed up in dark colors and they snuck out of the cabin to the kitchen. You know, you're sneaking through the camp, warm summer night, and then they proceeded to sneak in through a conveniently unlocked window. And the genius of this this counselor, this adult, was that he had the feuding boys work together, sending them ahead as lookouts, scouting out where to go next, checking to make sure the coast is clear, all that good sneaking around mischief stuff. So they made it to the kitchen and they proceeded to gorge themselves on all of those illicit goodies conveniently also left unlocked. We had some chips, there were cookies, there was junk food. I mean, it was really just the the dream of all dreams, I think, for for these preteens and young teens. So after their, they've filled their bellies, the boys all snuck back to their cabin, and that was the end of their adventure. Relations between these campers improved dramatically after this little escapade, and the peace was restored to the cabin at large, uh, and also restored to my friend, who had been struggling with a particularly unruly group of campers. I think that having the kids work together on something that seemed real to them, even though this was obviously all pretty staged, and a bit taboo, bonded them much more than, you know, the basketball games or the go-kart races or the pickleball they had been playing during the day and not quite bringing them together as a team. But truly, it overcame all of the, the petty ill will and it created a peaceful bunk experience. For fans of The Office, that's what we call Gutenprank, <laughs> or a good prank. Uh, mm. That is, it's been devised for the the betterment of a person or for mm-hmm. a group. And I love that. I really love that idea of safely staging uh, an experience for that's developmentally appropriate uh-huh. for these kids. Um, as a way to to bring them together because nothing brings people together quite quite like something that feels a little we're breaking the rules teens, yeah breaking the rules a little bit you know and there's like maybe some secret ice cream on the other side that yeah. is a that is delightful I love that for me the part that that I thought was the the most genius was having them go through the window. I'm like, yes. oh my God, how much fun would that have? It's not just like the door was left unlocked. The first mm-hmm. floor window was left open and we got to sneak in through the window. <laughs> Woo! Mm-hmm. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I, that's, I thought of that story because I think similar to what we're doing in the chapter today, with the peace being restored to the Shire, everyone's coming together against the, the common enemy and the shared goal of putting the thing back to rights that to me struck a chord and I remembered the boys coming together to overcome whatever drama there had been in quest of midnight snacks right well and and fortunately for your counselor friend as well just also being able to rest easy yes <laughs> in and otherwise I would imagine pretty emotionally and sometimes physically taxing environment to have just like one moment of like 
okay cool great we're all on the same page again thank goodness (laughs) right exactly right so that's what happened in my story and now we get to talk about what happened in the chapter and i think we will see some some correlations between the two would you like to walk us through today's events i'd be honored and for the most part they're truly delightful. They're just, truly a, delightful. as you noted, just gentle, good happenings for most of the folks involved. Yes. So we we begin um, where our last chapter ended, which is with the hobbits really cleaning up the Shire and, and putting things to rights. Sam is particularly perturbed at the deforestation that's happened at the hands of Sharky and Sharky's lackeys. And so he then remembers the gift from Lady Galadriel. So he replants the trees, each with a grain of dust from her gift, and the Shire blooms in just an unprecedented way. Like, everything is at it, doing its most to bloom, to provide, to um, really kind of create this Garden of Eden, Haven-type experience for um, the Hobbits. And that includes as well sort of all of these these personal accomplishments that happens as well. So lots of marriages, lots of babies are born, all of the, you know, kids are healthy. It's it's everything that you could possibly want for a little Hamlet community like, like the Hobbits have. Frodo is having bouts of maybe being unwell around key anniversary dates really doesn't tell Sam. I think Farmer Cotton maybe finds him in one experience, but for the most part, Frodo is playing this pretty close to the vest. Sam and Rose Cotton marry. Sam is so pleased. Um, And they move in with Frodo and take really good care of him. Sam and Rose also have a little baby who they name Eleanor, which is just, just so charming. And... As sort of the the chapter progresses, ultimately Frodo asks to visit Bilbo sort of near Bilbo's birthday. So it's September. He he would like to go see him. Bilbo at this point is like 130 or something. So he's like, gotta gotta get this visit in. And on their way to see Bilbo, Frodo and Sam encounter Galadriel and Elven Entourage, and Bilbo is also with them. And they are headed towards the Grey Havens um, to take a boat into sort of their mystical pseudo-afterlife type location. So they're on their way there, and Frodo decides to go with Bilbo. Sam kind of realizes this um, as they travel with them to the Havens. But Frodo decides to go. He thinks that it's appropriate. Both ring bearers go at the same time. Gandalf is also going. And so in that way, he ultimately ends up using Arwen's gift, Frodo does. Sam, quite sad to see Frodo go, feels a bit lonely, but Gandalf, ever the one thinking through all the chess moves, has tipped off Merry and Pippin, who rush to the Grey Havens also to join in saying goodbye, and ultimately accompany Sam back to the Shire with a mix of bittersweet feelings that they've their friend Frodo has kind of moved on, but they're together in their sadness and, and understand what each other has gone through. And Sam returns to his happy life with Rose and Eleanor in the Shire. And that's how our chapter ends. So sweet. So sweet. 
Have you read the lost chapter? The like, the other, the final chapter? I have not, no. I tried to find it before this. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I do think it is in the Cimmerillion, but I do know. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Don't quote me on that. Um, I read it in this other book about Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and their whole little troop. It was included mm. in the appendix there, mm-hmm. and I couldn't find it online, but it's so sweet. It's it's just like one step further after this, Sam's got all of his kids with him. I think Eleanor is sitting on his lap, and he has more children now, and he's telling them the story of the ring. And in this book that I read, they had said that that was how Tolkien really wanted to end it, and then mm-hmm. it got cut, which, hmm. I don't know. I kind of like the way it ends now, but... It w- I think it would be nice to see just one more step into Sam's happiness. Like, oh, yeah, he is he is doing well. Mm-hmm. Well, and if I remember correctly, I feel like I've heard that Tolkien ha- had always intended for Sam to be really the hero of the story. So it would make sense for Sam to be what the, uh, what our narrative follows after Frodo's departure, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like another chapter into Sam's life would really solidify his position as maybe our protagonist, as opposed to where we end it now really kind of insinuates that Frodo has been our focal point and, and now it's, when he's now gone, it's there's done. very little yeah. to say. Right, yes. One more chapter. One more chapter. One more chapter. <laughs> But yeah, I'm glad. Thank you for walking us through that. It was so sweet. And it does mm-hmm. end it does end on a on a maybe not a happy note, but a contented note. Absolutely. And I think even though we don't get that additional chapter, it's easy enough to extrapolate happy things for mm-hmm. Sam with where it ends, which I think is is a really lovely for all of the the drama and the evil and the, you know, the journeying. This is such a nice little, not quite a complete and happy bow, but a really nice way to tie up all of our our loose threads. Okay, so that's what happened. Um, I'm curious to see where you saw examples of today's theme, peace, through the chapter. Oh, it was such a peaceful chapter. It was like an exhalation. Mm-hmm. So there were there was, was really a lot to, to choose from. The first example I have is on my first page of the chapter, my page 328. And this is talking about how Lobelia has been freed from the lock holds where she was she dies the next spring she was more than 100 years old and she leaves all of her remaining money um, and lothos for frodo to use to help hobbits that had been made homeless by the troubles they call it mm-hmm. and then quote so that feud was ended and i think similar to my campers maybe not a a common a common activity or a common enemy here has really brought together this family that was sort of feuding before. If we remember way back at the beginning of book one, you know, Lobelia was looking for the spoons and mm-hmm. et cetera. They were, did not have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that it was able to end peacefully for that relationship. 
I also love that she is so... I mean, we see such a character arc even in these two little vignettes almost mm-hmm. where we know Lobelia, right? Where, to your point, we go from her really coveting these spoons and kind of being out for herself to ha- on the other side of something major and something that really sets aside some of the pettiness. Her not only leaving money to Frodo, but also really wishing for anybody who has disrupted, had their mm-hmm. life disrupted by this major <laughs> event to be cared for and 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 that's so selfless in a way we didn't see before which i love yeah good on lobelia Mm -hmm. my next example is page 331 and i could read the whole second paragraph it's the one that starts altogether 1420 in the shire was a marvelous year and that's the one where you t- you touched on it in your recap of all of the good things that are happening. Children are being born. The air is rich. There's strawberries for everybody. But my, fa- my favorite part is the last line, quote, And no one was ill and everyone was pleased except those who had to mow the grass. <laughs> and that, that whole chapter or that whole paragraph really talks about just the general peace and the prosperity that the Shire is enjoying in this wonderful year, I think partially because of Galadriel's gift. But I, I like to think that when Sam gave that little blessing and threw the last few granules up into the air, that, that that also helped to make the Shire have such a wonderful, blessed, peaceful year. It seems like the the dust magnifies you know the qualities that are already present Mm -hmm. so like the trees are blooming but they're blooming like way faster and way quicker whatever else and it seems like it's really extrapolated from sam's sweetness Mm. and his just integrity you know and that's and that's now permeating through the shire and i i love the idea of having someone's legacy be so accelerated that you could see it (laughs) in you know one generation i think that's so lovely not even just one spring (laughs) one one turn of the globe yes he planted it that winter and then you know sits on his hands and tries not to obsessively check all the trees to see if anything happened (laughs) and then that spring it's like wow magic is in the air Mm -hmm. literally (laughs) no one was ill everyone was pleased (laughs) right except for those that had to mow the grass which is just such a relatable and such a wonderful quibble to have you know like if that's your biggest worry Mm -hmm. is that you have to mow the grass too often and you're frustrated by that that is a good life (laughs) right and we we've definitely had that conversation with our dad of like it's raining mm-hmm. again gonna have to go mow one last time so yeah that mm-hmm. that line really was quite charming to me yeah as a homeowner that was very relatable as someone who just shoveled earlier <laughs> yes. today like oh, god <laughs> grouchy but also yeah. happy but also like these are these are um privileged good peaceful <laughs> problems Yes, Mm -hmm. these are wonderful contours of a life if those are your biggest issues. So I've got a few more examples. The next one is both on page 332 and 337. And the first quote is Sam saying, and after he's been asked to move in with Frodo, quote, I feel torn in two, as you might say. 
And he talks again about this divided loyalty between Rose and his family and Frodo on page 337. And I think Frodo does a really good job of making him feel better. Frodo says at the bottom of that page, quote, Do not be too sad, Sam. You cannot be always torn in two. You will have to be one and whole for many years. You have so much to enjoy and to be and to do. And I hope that even though Sam is not really feeling very peaceful about the fact that he cannot be there both 100% for Rose and for Frodo, that Frodo's permission that he gives him later in this chapter to not be torn into and to let him go and be with his family, I hope that gives him some peace. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think Sam is in a really important transition point in his life, and it can be really tricky in those transition moments to be able to let go mm-hmm. who you've been before so that you can accept who you're about to be. Um, and I think, to your point, Frodo is the right person to help Sam kind of release who he's had to be up until now. Mm-hmm. can stop taking care of me and start throwing out these children (laughs) one after the other (laughs) yeah frodo lad uh Mm -hmm. it's just a twinkle in your eye at this point but you gotta gear up yeah frodo lad goldilocks mary pippin i mean he's planned out for sam to be very busy i think he says you'll need all your wits about you or something like that right i love that Mm -hmm. on page 335 i have another example I won't read the, the whole paragraph, but it talks about Frodo going through his papers, his writings, giving those to Sam, giving Sam his keys, and sort of just tying up all of his loose ends, which sort of reminded me of what people do before their death of making sure that everything is set for the next generation. Here's all my paperwork all laid out. You know, I'm ready to go. And to me, that indicated that Frodo is very much at peace with his decision to go on into the Undying Lands. And I think, even though he hasn't told Sam about it yet, that the very methodical and calm way he's going about this indicates that he does not have a lot of inner turmoil regarding this decision and that he has arrived there calmly and is is at really at peace with it. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Definitely that. I'm getting my affairs in order kind of vibe. I've left you all that I have and might have. He said something like that. And I'm like, how did you leave him all that you might have? <laughs> yeah, that is a... <laughs> <laughs> that sounds hypothetical. I'm talking about mm-hmm. tangibles here. What did you actually leave? <laughs> hmm Right. And then my last example is second to last page of the chapter. Right. My page 339. After Frodo has left on the boat, um, we are told that he, quote, smelled a sweet fragrance on the air and heard the sound of singing that came over the water. And then it seemed to him that as in his dream in the house of Bombadil, the gray rain curtain turned all to silver glass and was rolled back, and he beheld white shores and beyond them a far green country under a swift sunrise. And I think that is, I mean, we have talked a lot about Tolkien's description of the natural world over the course of this pod. And I think this may be the most peaceful 
description he's given us when looking out onto a vista. And I just think it's really fitting that that's where Frodo gets to end. It does make me wonder whether the Undying Lands are a unique experience for whomever is kind of viewing them. Because it, it sounds Shire-esque right. what Frodo is looking looking onto. And so I'm wondering if that's kind of unique to him or if that's... And, and so, like, maybe for Gandalf it would look like something different or if that is truly, like, that is a universal experience for everybody who goes there. I'm sure there's a way to know, but, like, I'm not going to look it up. I just like the idea of there being a very personalized sort of view as you come into the world, almost like the uh, Amortentia or whatever it is mm. in Harry Potter, mm-hmm. where the smell is different for every person that feels like, you know, home. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I was thinking about in this experience. Yeah, I I always got the sense that this was an actual place that we're going mm-hmm. to. And I think I remember... <laughs> being told somewhere that this is like the land of the valor and somehow maybe the elves are coming from here someone somewhere is like yelling into their podcast like it's this Mm -hmm. thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. well and i think if if the because i haven't read the appendices but i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure you're right because that's where we see sort of um galadriel's origin story and return or almost return in the rings of power oh yeah hot take love galadriel in the rings of power (laughs) hot take yeah i i thought it was great Mm -hmm. but regardless of how this land is being presented to him in his mind Mm -hmm. and actuality it just seems really peaceful and it seems like the ideal place to go into retirement for him with Mm -hmm. his closest family bilbo his friends gandalf i'm just really happy for frodo that he's made it here and it, it really is a reprieve from the experience he's been having otherwise, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, this this assures that he's not maybe likely to experience the PTSD mm-hmm. of the Weathertop incident and the, the burden of carrying the ring. And that must be such a weight off of his shoulders. Yeah, it's little hobbit shoulders. Mm-hmm. It's cloaked. It's cloaked. Hobbit shoulders. Hobbit shoulders. Yeah, exactly. And those were all of my examples. But really, I feel like you could have read just about any part of the chapter. And mm-hmm. the the sense of peace was very apparent throughout the reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even, even talking about the examples, I feel like is, uh, like, I feel like my heart rate, like, lowering. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a nice, it's a nice calm peace and end to mm-hmm. the conversation and to the story. addition to all of the things that we we talked about happened and our examples of of the theme there were also some really fun quotes yes <laughs> there were such good quotes so perhaps we should um for the last time really do our talking with tolkien section do you want to kick us off I would love to, yes. and you you read one of mine, um, which is, is the, the and no one was ill and everyone was pleased <laughs> because I thought that was just yeah. so charming. Mm-hmm. But the others that I had, one was on page 373, and it's the gaffer talking about 
Quote, it's an ill wind as blows nobody no good, as I always say, and all's well as ends better. I like that last bit. Yeah, I didn't get the first part. (laughs) (laughs) But I liked the all's well well as ends better part. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the other, the other quote that really stood out to me was Frodo talking to Sam about his decision to go to the Undying Lands. So that's on my page 382. And Sam is saying to Frodo that he's, he thought that Frodo, and I think sort of implicitly Frodo and he were going to have these years together in the Shire to experience it after all of this damage and after all of this trauma. Mm -hmm. And Frodo basically says, yeah, I thought so too. Quote, but I have been too deeply hurt, Sam. I tried to save the Shire and it has been saved, but not for me. It must often be so, Sam, when things are in danger. Someone has to give them up, lose them, so that others may keep them. And I just loved that quote so much i was getting a little emotional when i was reading it the first time that i mean frodo really has sacrificed his own personal peace so that everyone else can Mm -hmm. can live really cozy comfy lives um in the shire and here he's i think doing a really nice job of naming that pretty explicitly while also not sounding bitter about what he's had to give up but it makes it very difficult for him to stay and I, I liked that I liked that idea of someone has to give up something for something big to happen and to change. Yeah, he seems so zen and accepting of mm-hmm. everything in this chapter. Really, since he, he mm-hmm. returned in the last chapter, we saw Sam, Mary, and Pippin get really riled up and want to fight. And Frodo is just mindfulness queen at this point mm-hmm. and is so accepting of where where he's at. And I like also, in addition to the the quote that you just read, when he charges Sam with continuing to tell the story, not so that Mm -hmm. he can have personal glory, but so people can remember how bad things were and what they almost Mm -hmm. lost and better appreciate the Shire as they have it now. Yeah, exactly. Quote, so that people will remember the great danger and so love their beloved land all the more. Mm Mm-hmm. And those were those were my quotes. There there were many that were lovely, mm-hmm. but those are the ones that stood out to me. I'm curious, uh, what quotes did you note? Both of mine were on my page three thirty three. I love the descriptions we get of Mary and Pippin in this. <laughs> Quote The two young travelers cut a great dash in the Shire with their songs and their tales and their finery and their wonderful parties. <laughs> and I just picture them like little bon vivants walking around with their male shirts, you know, telling people like, ah, in the South, they drink their whiskey like this and having these big fun parties and being raucous. I'm, mm-hmm. It just warms my heart. Living it up. Living it up. Splendid laughing and singing songs of far away. I love it. I also want to know specifically how large they've gotten because they've made quite a point that they are now bigger than the other hobbits. So I'm like, are we mm-hmm. at like four, five, four, six? Like, what, right. what are we looking at here? Like they become the the visual point in parties where you're, yeah. you always know where they are, and then you adjust your position accordingly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was. It really brought a brought a smile to my face. Very Fred and George energy here. 
Yes, yes, definitely. And then my last quote was about a eh, half a page down from that past one. Quote, all things now went well, with hope always of becoming still better. And I'm like, man, this is just such a happy chapter. (laughs) (laughs) No one is ill. Everyone's happy. Everything went well. And it's only getting Mm -hmm. better. There is an abundance of plums. Yes. The beer is particularly good. We got strawberries like, and all cream. The, things. the weed is <laughs> top notch. <laughs> we are happy. Everyone is satiated yes. in all ways. Yeah. Gosh, it's just such a such a happy way to end, and such a shame that we don't get it in the in the theatrical cut of the movie. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. It would be. It's a nice, uh, gosh, what do you call it? Like, cool down yeah. from, the, <laughs> from the labor of the journeying and the cleanup and the And I think it, it brings it all back into perspective. Like, mm-hmm. the, the doings of Aragorn are always interesting, but are not particularly resonant to me in my daily life. But mm-hmm. the, what the hobbits are getting up to, I'm like, man, I like strawberries and cream. <laughs> It just feels so much more relatable to have the book end with, and here are the normal people having their normal lives, lots of weddings, having kids, eating good food, and just going Mm -hmm. back to their mowing the lawn daily life with such joy in a way that the elves and the kings always felt a bit removed. Yeah, the the hobbits, I think, are at least in my mind, definitely a proxy for the reader. Mm -hmm. So they're meant to be the most relatable group, right? Like they, they live happy lives. Their, their worldview is their immediate community. And so it can feel all a bit much to think about kings and mountains and good versus evil, capital G, capital E. And instead it's like, my home has been destroyed. Mm -hmm. My, relationships have been disrupted those are things that i agree feel much more tangible to us and so the return to some sort of normalcy but much more to say some sort of prosperity is so much sweeter yeah so sweet Mm -hmm. so sweet like a bucket of plums like a bucket of plums like a bath of strawberries like a and cream. Bath full of strawberries and cream. <laughs> right. All right. Well, those were excellent. This uh, this conversation is making my heart so light. So I'm I'm ready to transition now to our action item for peace in community. Ellen, what did you bring for us today? Like Frodo in this chapter. I want us to focus on finding an inner peace and how that can translate into our close relationships. And so today's action item is truly ripped straight out of like a Buddhism 101 textbook. It's all about acceptance. Mm, (laughs) So mm -hmm. think of an emotion that has been causing you a lot of suffering and let it go. (laughs) Acceptance of emotions is... You know, when I say it like that, it it sounds extremely straightforward and it is a really proven way to improve your inner peace, even if the practice is really quite difficult to to do out in the world. Mm -hmm. So 
as we're thinking of that emotion and telling ourselves that we're going to let it go, I also would encourage us all to tell someone who you want to strengthen a relationship with what you're accepting and why. Because chances are, if this is someone that you have been close to, they will be relieved to hear you say this as if you're like me, you've probably been sharing this issue with them in the past. And my hope is that your peace will be contagious to them. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I have been extremely fixated lately on the daily grind of my job, and I've decided to practice acceptance of the stress that I'm experiencing. And I'm hoping that this will not only rub off on my colleagues, who definitely feed off of any negative energy brought into the workplace, but also to my boyfriend, who has compassionately listened to my grousing on the <laughs> subject. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's very relatable. Yes. <laughs> I was listening to uh, the the Hidden Brain podcast, which is great, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. had a psychologist on who was talking. They they just finished their Happiness 2.0 series, which was like a series of four or five episodes. Really, really good. But she mm-hmm. quoted, I think this. She said this was like some sort of Buddhist teaching that was then translated into English, but pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. And it's the not accepting the pain of like, okay, this situation sucks and I feel bad about it. Not accepting Mm -hmm. that emotion of, oh, I feel bad is where the suffering comes in. And that's what's stopping people from feeling an inner peace, even when they're experiencing a negative emotion. Mm -hmm. But I think the the operative word in your ch- in your challenge to all of us is it's a practice. Mm-hmm. So not getting it right right away doesn't mean that we abandon it entirely. And to get really kind of clear that you know some of the emotion that we may be having is also might show up in our attempt to release it. Mm-hmm. So just you know gotta gotta go with the flow to the extent that um, that you can. Try it again. If you don't get it right the first time. We lapse, we return. We lapse, mm-hmm. and then we return. It's just flow, chill, mm-hmm. peace. Peace. <laughs> you know. Peace. You know. <laughs> you get it. Yes. <laughs> well, good. I That is a good reminder. I have a um, particularly stressful week i anticipate Mm -hmm. uh, this week at work and so this will be a good first challenge for me to try and practice some release of that and just accept accept that that's what it is and move forward Mm -hmm. best of luck (laughs) thank you so much Um, i need it too we we may lapse and return (laughs) we're gonna lapse and we're gonna (laughs) recenter Right, we're gonna reset. We're gonna not lose focus uh-huh. of of the big picture for the immediate. Yes. <sighs> All right. Well, what a lovely, what a lovely call for our last chapter here. Yeah. Next one, we will recap. We will recap the book. That's right. Crazy. I know it's so weird. <laughs> Today's podcast was brought to you by a fine shire pint of ale, proper 1420. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, 
send us a voicemail or an email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in fellowship. All right, you there? I am here. We are here together and we're ready to go. And we're gonna have a time. <laughs> I took that longer than I thought I would. Uh, I liked that you responded to that as though you didn't have the control over how long it was going to go on. <laughs> I just yeah, I leaned into it. I really, uh, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just have to let it take you. Mm-hmm. Gilmore Girls should take a, <sighs> take a leaf out of this book. <laughs> that is a whole other podcast for us to talk about that ending. Still mad about it still bad. Anyways. 